Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. So it looks like Liverpool have added that extra midfielder before the transfer window shuts. Is Arthur the answer and how quickly can he fit into Klopp's plans? On the field, Liverpool turn to two of their brightest young stars to dig them out of a hole at Anfield against Newcastle. Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho. The men of the moment. And of course, Newcastle, well, they got what they deserved for some horrendous time wasting. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all the brilliant articles on the site if you log on to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Right now, special price, pound a month for six months if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall, this is The Red Agenda. Let's welcome James Pearce and uh, Andy Jones. And of course, it is transfer deadline day, so we're trying to be as up-to-date as possible. Uh, but it isn't 11 o'clock yet, so we hope we've got our finger on the pulse with everything. James has been keeping an eye on Liverpool's activity, and it finally looks like they've got that long-needed, long-awaited midfielder, James, Arthur. But what can we expect? What, where are we up to with this? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... You know, it's come out the blue, really, Steve. Early, early this morning. You know, Jurgen Klopp immediately after the game last night against Newcastle didn't seem particularly hopeful that that he would get another player in before the the deadline. But I think, um, you know, I think what was crucial was the the blow of of losing Jordan Henderson. You know, I think Liverpool understand he is facing a spell on the sidelines with a hamstring problem that that forced him off in that second half, and I think ultimately. You know that was the trigger for them to to go and get this deal. They you know they they obviously knew that Arthur was available for loan. He he hasn't featured at all for Juventus this season. Has fallen out of favour under Allegri. So pretty straightforward one to do. You think of all the midfield names that have been banded around recently. You know clearly he isn't one that's been part of that conversation. You'd have to say it's a kind of a, a cheap option. It's a stopgap. Um, there's you know it's a loan for the season with no option to buy. But, you know, he does have a good pedigree. You know, when you look at, you know, the, the clubs he's been at, you know, he's a Brazil international. Um, and he, he, someone who desperately needs to get their career back on track, especially if he wants to be uh, part of the World Cup squad in Qatar in a few months' time. Of course, you mentioned Jordan Henderson there. And Andy, it's a, it's a big blow to be missing Jordan. There's some big matches ahead, not least the Merseyside derby. He hasn't played his best this season you know maybe he's been carrying some sort of injury who knows but of course the expectation is you get a player in a midfielder in is that player going to step into his shoes straight away or does Arthur just become a squad member well I mean the, the way the injury situation is at the moment I mean he sort of maybe after just throw him in and I don't think he's played a lot of football which may influence that um, because you know Especially for if your first game, if he's registered in times, is a Merseyside derby. Probably not the, the environment you necessarily want to introduce a new sign and who's not, you know, not accustomed to, to English football in. 
But I guess it, you know, it's very much up up to the player as to how how big his role is this season. You would sort of assume if when everyone gets back fit, he would probably drop down the pecking order. But given given the situation at the moment and and the you know the, the opportunity he's probably going to have to play because of the sheer weight of games that Liverpool have and, and the rotation they're going to need to deploy really to try and avoid any more injuries. Um, you know, he's he's got a chance to sort of I think initially to to stake his claim, I guess, and and try and you know, force his way into into that first team thinking because, you know, the the fact that he's coming in as a loan suggests that Liverpool don't see him as that type of, you know, that long term, you know, part of the squad. And I guess it's up to him sort of to, to, to change the minds. But yeah, as you say that the injury to Henderson sort of gives him that opportunity and, and it may end up being the case where he does drop down at Pecking order as the season goes on and sort of more of the first team players come back. Um but yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one to, to sort of see how it develops over the, these next sort of few weeks while while there is that wait to, to get those players back. So James, if, if Jordan hadn't picked up that injury last night, do you understand that Liverpool would still have made this, this deal happen or was it all pretty much uh, triggered by what happened on the field? Well, certainly as things stand at the moment with the information we've got that it was, it was after the game last night that... Um, the, the, the call went into Juventus. We're talking about kind of midnight, early hours that those discussions took place. And then, you know, by 10, 11 o'clock this morning, Arthur and his agent were, were on a flight to the UK. So, um, you know, I, I, think, I think it's fair to say that if this was one that Liverpool have had their eye on for a while, then you would have got it done before now, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have left it to deadline day, which is you know, very un, un-Liverpool-like for a club that... It obviously prides itself on getting business done early. I think ultimately, you know, they we, we know that the kind of the public stance had changed pretty dramatically in the space of five or six weeks from Klopp and was saying that he was baffled at the idea that he needed to go and sign a midfielder to then, you know, losing Oxlade, Thiago, you know, Cater and Jones. And obviously Jones is now back, but I think I think more like losing that experience of Henderson. I think when you look at how young that midfield is in terms of the ones still standing. They needed they needed someone else in there, especially when you look at the schedule. Because I think what is it? I think Saturday is the start of five games in the space of fifteen days in September, and then I think it's nine games in the space of twenty eight days in October. I just think they had to go and get someone. And yeah, it's not the big booming statement of intent that I think a lot of supporters would have loved to have seen. You know. The, you think, you know, Tielemans was obviously available, Neves, you know, players like that with proven Premier League experience. It feels, you know, low risk in terms of the financial outlay um, because, of course, you know, it's, there's no commitment there to buy. But it does feel like a risk in terms of Liverpool really need this one to come off in, in terms of their hopes for this season. And if it does, you know, it, it, could, it could prove to be a masterstroke. If it doesn't, then... You know there'll be a hell of a lot of scrutiny about why they why they left it to the last minute and why they didn't do something sooner because you know I think there has to be a question mark of how quickly can he adapt you know we're talking about you know someone who's won the Copa Libertadores and the Copa America with Brazil you know I think twenty two caps for his country won the Liga with Brazil but you know since going to Italy and playing for Juventus his his career is has stalled really I think it depends who you talk to some people I've spoken to today have said no real fault of his own that you know he just doesn't fit Allegri's style and he's effectively just been frozen out and it's been a bit unfortunate in terms of the managerial changes there 
since he went there. Cause I think Sari was the manager when he was first signed. Um, but then others say, you know, he, he slows things down. He has too many touches. He's too conservative. He's too much sideways, sideways, moving the ball rather than progressive. And he's also had injuries of his own. That's the other thing, the last couple of years. So, yeah, Liverpool, you know, need need to get him up to speed pretty quickly. I think that there had been some talk about whether he was actually injured at the minute. I know from speaking to people close to him today that he is fit. He, he feels like he is available and ready to go straight in. And yeah, Liverpool need this one to, to come off because, I you know, it's... Obviously, you think back to January 2021 when, you know, they left it late and then brought in Ben Davis, Nozan, Kabak. You know, you'd say those deals didn't pay off. You know, ne- you know, neither of them made any real contribution. Well, obviously, Davis didn't make any contribution at all. He didn't play um, in Liverpool qualifying for the Champions League that season. But I think, I think this one does feel different just because I think you just look at the CV of Arthur compared to those players you know he he is in a different league yet it's just to what extent can Klopp get a tune out of him because um, you know his his impact in the last couple of seasons has been very limited yeah can the player himself rise to the challenge and again underlying all this I think it's a big worry losing Jordan Henderson Andy yeah definitely I mean you know his his value to the team has been has been there for all to see over you know so many years now Um, and he's, he's a big part of 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 a year in club side and as I, as I mentioned before losing them just before the derby that's that's where you want your big players it's where you want your captain to be in the thick of it really and you know driving that team on and yeah his form's not particularly been been great to start the season but I think there's, there's a fair few Liverpool players you could you could probably say the same of so it'd be to be unfair to, to sort of single them out and and those derby games are, are sort of the, the type of you know the type of fixtures where it does sort of form and and all that type of stuff goes out the window, doesn't it? As, as we saw against sort of Manchester United and their performance against Liverpool and sort of some of the players who stepped up in, for them in that game. But yeah, especially if this absence is going to be for a you know a number of a number of weeks or you know for however long it is, Liverpool are going to miss him because he does bring that leadership, he brings that energy. He's he's the, he's the one that you, you can sort of hear barking the orders, and you know his role might have sort of shifted with Harvey Elliott in the side, and he's sort of playing on that left. He's, you know he's played as the six as well this season. But equally, it's that dependability that, you know, even when he has gone through sticky patches of form and, and been questioned that he's always managed to come out of it the other side and, and been sort of, you know, come out of it in, in the right way and, and people have praised him for the way he's turned things around and, and I fully would, you know, expect him to do that again this season. But yeah, I guess this is the problem with, with when you've got those players who are, you know, going past 30 and... And have had injury problems during the career. Usually, they're not going to get any better, and you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have these problems where players are are missing games and, and picking up these injuries. And, and Henderson's one of those those players. And you know, you just hope that a one he's not out for a long time in, in this case, but also that when he does come back, Liverpool can can keep him fit. And and I guess the more midfield options they have, the more rotation he can do, and the more they can keep these players fresh and not not playing too much. I suppose from a, a positive. Injury update point of view, James. Uh, at least Curtis Jones was back on the bench, and Joel Matip as well. There are signs that there's some players returning in the in the squad. Yeah, yeah, both of them obviously on the bench. That wasn't wasn't a surprise that they didn't feature because I think you know both obviously only what only a, a few days really a full training under their belt so far. But you'd imagine they'd be better prepared and equipped to potentially play a part in the the derby. Klopp also said that Thiago 
isn't too far away, so he should be he should be back playing before the international break rather than after it. Um, and then Diogo Jota back in back in full training uh, today was the plan. I haven't heard anything different to suggest that didn't happen. Um, and Darwin Nunes obviously has now served his three match ban, which you know I think I think that also does with with Jota and and Nunes back available that does open up the possibility of of playing that four two three one system that that Klopp has discussed at times, but probably just hasn't been possible so far because of the the personnel available to him. So um, yeah, as as much as it's a body blow losing Jordan Henderson, you know, at least at least in some other areas of the squad, he's he's getting people back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gomez with the header. It's Salah. Can't bring it down. Real pinball in there. It is in. Right, let's go to the game against Newcastle uh, and let's go to sort of big moments that will live with people in their their footballing memories. The roof came off, didn't it, at the end. It felt like a massive moment in Liverpool's season. Only time's going to tell, isn't it? But 98 on the clock. Uh, James, did you resign yourself to a draw? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, a few, a few minutes before when I think Newcastle had a free kick, didn't they, not far out, outside Liverpool's box, I was... I was dreading the prospect of them them stealing a late winner themselves. It did feel like a, a really, really huge moment, and it to win a game like that, it, you know, it, it does so much more for you than battering a team nine 0 like Liverpool did to Bournemouth last weekend. Because, you know, they, especially all the circumstances around it. I mean, it, it it really was karma in so many ways to to see Liverpool score in the 98th minute and all the moaning from Newcastle and Eddie Howe about where did the stoppage time come, came, come from. And it's like, well, I'll tell you what, you watch that game back and you'll see where the stoppage time came from because, you know, some of their antics would make Diego Simeone blush because, the you know, I've never seen so many players go down over the course of a game. It was, it was, it was clearly part of a game plan to stop Liverpool building up any kind of rhythm or momentum and it worked because Andre Mariner was incredibly weak. It's, you know, I think I think he suddenly found his cards, didn't he, with about three minutes to go. <laughs> um, and they they were able to get to get away with it. And um, you know, it, it probably it riled the fans. I think it it also I think it unsettled Liverpool. I think you know Klopp said himself that you know as great as it was to win, and it, and those scenes were absolutely incredible at the end. And what a moment for Fabio Cavallo. I'm sure we'll come on to, but it's like, you know, that Liverpool do still have to improve because because they yeah they just I think they just panicked a bit they you know they they were hitting far too many long balls there was a lack of patience rather than them playing to their strengths and trying to break Newcastle down and what was it nearly an hour again before Liverpool had a shot on target you know that was obviously indebted to Firmino to to bring them back into the game but yeah it was. 
you know, as, as, as great as it was at the end, you know, you can't overlook the fact that there's definitely big, big room for improvement ahead of Goodison on Saturday. It was so frustrating, wasn't it? Watch it. And, and you made that comparison there to Atletico Madrid. I'm just wondering whether it might have been worse than Atletico Madrid in many ways, Andy. And and you, of course, you, you've watched um, Pope an awful lot, haven't you, in the past couple of years? And he's not this sort of player, is he? Have you, have you ever seen him, you know, time waste in that aspect? No, I mean, that that's what I came out at the, at the match sort of so surprised about. Because, I mean, I, being a Burnley correspondent, I've watched Pope for three years and I've watched Burnley, who are sort of known as some of you know, time wasting masters, really. And, and they know how to do it and they know how to do it well. But I've never seen Nick Pope do what he did. Like, he's taken, you know, time to take goal kicks. But yesterday was, was a different scale, different level to what even I'd seen. And I. And, I've watched them as closely as anyone for the last three years. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, to be honest. It was the worst I've ever seen. And I did, I wasn't at Lanfield for the derby last year, but I was speaking to, to some of my family and they said it was it was similar to, to that level of, of sort of what Everton were doing. Even the way they did it, and the way they just decided to sit down. And it was yeah. like, everyone had cramp at the same I mean, time. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I did like it at the end when I think Joe Linton went down for the eight millionth time. Um, and Liverpool just carried on while he was sat on the edge of the box and the referee just for once didn't sort of blow up I, I was fully expecting him to, to sort of stop it and it, it was in a way sort of that it was just that poetic justice wasn't it but even I, I saw the tweet today sort of I think Pope went down and you know, at the time and he was down for 94 seconds or something like that and to be fair that was probably the one of the ones where he thought actually it might have hurt himself there because I think he does come down on his back but I think Liverpool win the corner which then leads to the goal, I think, exactly 94 seconds after he gets back up on his feet or something like that. So it was sort of, even that was just like, it was just meant to be that Liverpool were going to find this winner. And yeah, it, it, I mean, even when Newcastle walked off at the end, and that, that is the first time I've heard, a, you know, an, an opposition team booed like that before, or it, certainly for a very, very long time. Like, people stayed to make their feelings just to be them. them. It was completely understandable because Newcastle are a good side and I think if they'd come and just played the normal game, they would have continued to cause Liverpool problems and I think that was almost the strangeness of it in that, you know, they go ahead and, and, you know, it's a good goal that they score in in the way they work it um, and capitalise on Liverpool's sort of error and, you know, they've got got good players there and that Isaac looks a, you know, a brilliant buy. Um, and you see the way he takes the, the goal, which is just offside, is, is you know, he, he looks a real, he's going to be a, a real threat. But they went toe-to-toe with Man City and, and when I watched them against City, I didn't see those types of tactics that they were, you know, they were rolling them out the way they did against Liverpool. And it was even weird in that way. But yeah, I mean, that, that is the most frustrated I've been at a football match for a long, long time. And I think I've got used to time wasting because I've seen Burnley do it so often and I sort of just, yeah, that's just the way the game goes and I think that's the way the league's going just generally. Teams, so all the teams are looking to time waste more and more and I think that's reflected in the amount of football you actually see when, in the, action, when the ball's in play. I've got a feeling Fabio Carvalho will do an awful lot in his Liverpool career but whatever he does... This will always be one of the big highlights. And James, if you if you think about last-minute goals, so it might be, I don't know, the great Everson goal, the Jordan Pickford Howler. It might be Neil Mellor against Arsenal. This one's up there with its own little bit of history now, particularly because Carvalho looks such an amazing young star. Yeah, he, he's been an absolute revelation, hasn't he? From Pretty much from the first time he pulled on a Liverpool shirt in pre-season. I think you watched him and you thought... 
God, is this kid really only 19? I think every every time he's played for Liverpool, he's improved them. Or was it five Premier League games so far? He's come off the bench each time. And yeah, he just he just seems to comfortably get to grips with the pace of a game, with what, what's been demanded from him tactically. He's brave on the ball, you know, always positive and with real intent looking to make things happen. And that wasn't the easiest finish to turn like that and, and stick it in off the underside of the bar. Just amazing scenes. And, as, as you, you know, hopefully it's the... Um, you know the first of many, many incredible memories for him in his Liverpool career, but uh, he'll certainly never forget that. And you know what a week, you know to you know to score his first goal for the club on Saturday. You know I think it was his twentieth birthday on Tuesday, and then to, to to pop up with the last gasp winner on Wednesday. And um, all the senior players absolutely love him. He's got he's got like a real nice mix of kind of confidence in his own ability without it being arrogance and great work ethic uh, really appreciative of where he's at but yeah like kind of um, immense belief in what he is capable of of doing and contributing and um yeah it was uh, you know I spoke to Harvey Elliott after the game and you know he I don't think I, was, I don't think he could have been any happier Harvey if he'd had that moment himself because you know they've been best mates since they started playing youth football together at at Fulham at the age of 13 and um, obviously reunited at Liverpool this summer after that after Carvalho's move and um, yeah both of them absolutely integral on the night I know I know Klopp in his press conference made a point of saying that he thought Harvey Elliott was the best player on the pitch and I don't think I don't think anyone who was there on Wednesday night would disagree with that well you look at the two of them and think it you know as as buys as transfers go Wow, Liverpool have have done some brilliant business there. Um, and I think James mentioned it. They've both got great characters, level-headed. They both don't take it for granted, Andy, but they're both full of skill. Um, I think we're going to see a lot from them in the future. Harvey was one who had a great game. Let's face it, not many players did against Newcastle, but Harvey's performance stood out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think mainly because he was, the, he was the one player who was continuously looking to to find the pocket of space and get on the turn and try and move forward. I thought Liverpool were quite passive in their play and I thought they were, you know, they were over-cautious in, in, when they were in possession. I think Henderson particularly was sort of, whether that was injury-related, but it felt like he was just, you know, taking too many touches, whereas Elliot, every time he got it, was looking to do things quickly, looking to, you know, to drive Liverpool forward. And, and you know that he's only going to get better, and that's the amazing thing because he if he's already at this level, you know, it's you know the sky's the limit for him. Probably Liverpool's best player this season, Andy. I think he's definitely up there. I think every time he's played, um, you know, maybe United away, but then you know that that was probably a result of just the entire the entire team. But even then, second half he came into it, and that's when Liverpool started sort of playing or uh, looking. A little bit more threatening, so yeah, I think he's definitely up there in terms of in terms of player of the season so far. And you know his, his performance against Bournemouth was, was excellent, and he's he's backed it up with another. And I think I just think the more games he's going to get, and he's in a position now, a little bit like the start of last season where he, he was beginning to make that you know that right side of the midfield position his own, and he's got that opportunity again. And and, and I don't see well, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to start leaving him out because he is. He's the closest Liverpool have got to that proper link between the midfield and the front three, and and that's what's been missing at times in, in games this season. Feels like there's been that disconnect, and and he's the one who's, who has linked it. And I think Carvalho is 
is putting him himself in, himself into a position where he, he's pushing for the start as well. Because as, as James sort of said, I think every time he's come onto the pitch, he's made Liverpool better. You know, I was really impressed with his, his cameo at United. Just the way he came on, you know, wasn't overawed by the situation. Could have just sort of come on and, and played it simple because you know it was such a bad evening. But he came on and made things happen and, and was really important to Liverpool. Nearly well, getting back into the game and, and sort of trying to force that equaliser. And he did the same again against Newcastle. And it, it, it's again, it's it's just that you can tell it's that young mindset of that that freedom, that fearlessness to to get the ball, get on the turn. And try and make things happen, and I think long may long may that continue. And hopefully, as they develop, that's that quality, that decision making is only going to get better. And he continue to have that that fearlessness on the ball to to keep wanting to try and make the risky pass to, but the one that's going to eventually lead to to goals. Some really bold substitutions by Jurgen Klopp, James, taking off both full backs. You probably wouldn't see that in, in many other games, and I think at the time. Even though things weren't great on the pitch, you're thinking, wow, he's taking off one of the, the best attacking fullbacks in world football in Trent, who obviously didn't look happy with it, but threw Milner on there, Simicass on the other side. What what did you make of the substitutions and actually Jurgen just trying to switch things up? Yeah, I think it was just to try and ask a few different questions, wasn't it? Because Liverpool seemed to be just running out of steam and running out of um of ideas more than anything. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't have his, his best night by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, it was his wayward pass that initially led to, to Newcastle's goal. I mean, a lot then happened after that. I think, obviously, Henderson failing to intercept the pass and then Fabinho, you know, just completely completely let the goal scorer get away from him with the, with the run that he made. So, yeah, I think, you know, if... You know, probably would have been a talking point today, wouldn't it? I think if if Liverpool hadn't scored that late winner, you know the 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 fact that he he took Trent off and and stuck James Milner on there. But I thought I thought Milner did very well. Obviously, he's never going to give you what Trent gives you going forward, but um, you just had that freshness, which which I think did help. And the same with Simicus on the other other side. You know, nothing nothing spectacular. But just you know that injection of energy that that helped Liverpool to just keep pushing and and pushing. But um, I was absolutely amazed by Harvey Elliott. I thought he was Liverpool's best midfielder on the night by an absolute mile. You know, and I think a few others could take a leaf out of his book because it did it did just feel too too passive and too static and you know just people wanting too many touches and and slowing things down and allowing Newcastle to regroup. Well. You know the beauty of Harvey Elliott is that he just gets his head up so early. Like he's, you know, he, he seems to just have this ability to, as soon as he's got the ball, he's got this clear picture in his head about exactly what he's going to do with it. He doesn't overthink things. Um, you know, you know, it'd be interesting to know how kind of how many pre-assists he's got because it was, you know, it was it was him obviously with the pass to Salah that led to led to Firmino's equaliser. And he, I just thought, you know, there was the move in the first half where I think, it, again, it was Elliot to Firmino, Firmino through to Diaz when he went round the goalkeeper and, and, and couldn't hit the target. But everything that was best about Liverpool went through Elliot. And um, with Henderson out, it's going to be interesting to see what Klopp does decide for the derby on, on Saturday because... You know, you'd imagine if the Arthur deal does go through, I'd be amazed if he got thrown straight in, especially considering his lack of his lack of minutes this season. So you're probably looking at a straight toss-up between Milner and Carvalho, and probably you'd say he'd he'd err on the side of Milner because of the experience and the know-how, especially in the absence of Henderson. But 
I tell you what, it would be brave and exciting if he does hand a first start to Cavalio. And I think for what we've seen from him so far, you know, I, I don't think anyone would have any concerns about his temperament and an ability to handle performing in an intimidating atmosphere like that because you know he, he just seems to take everything in his stride. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right, we've had an emphatic 9-0 win. We've had a last-minute win as well. It feels a bit like the season is properly up and running now, Andy. We've got a Merseyside derby. Um, just ahead of us, Liverpool mauled them, of course, last year, and Mo got a couple of goals. How, how Mo could do with actually getting some goals in this game? Yeah, definitely. You know, he's he's sort of the one who you know has shown signs. You know, he, he is off the mark for the season. He's he's got a couple already, but you know, you're just waiting for him to sort of get on that role um, that we all know he can get on. And you know, he started the, the way he started last season. I guess is is what is what we want to see again. It's just, his role is sort of interesting and, and, and just that, that right-hand side is just don't think it's... Even though we all know the, the individual quality of, of the, you know, Harvey, Trent and, and, and Mo, whether it's just... I think Mo at times is a little bit too far away from the goal for my liking in terms of he's being the one who's, who's wired because we know Harvey wants to operate centrally. Trent's role is, is to come inside a lot more centrally, certainly, throughout the game. And I don't know whether Mo's just sort of as a consequence a bit wider than, than necessarily you know, you'd know, want him to be. One thing I, I liked about Luis Diaz last night was he seemed to be a lot more you know, central. And, and one, one, one change I noticed Klopp made, just, I think it was just before the goal, certainly the first time I noticed it, he seemed to basically go to a Firmino in behind Diaz and Salah and he brought the two of them sort of quite central. Uh, and, and Bob sort of dropped into into the central in into the, the gap between Newcastle's midfield and defence and and that did make a difference just finding those pockets of space and and it got Mo closer to the goal and you know it's no no coincidence that it's his type of run from that in, inside channel from Elliot's ball that you know eventually creates the goal for Firmino who's, who's arriving in the box late so yeah I mean it's it's the perfect type of Mo Salah game you know he he, he does enjoy playing against Everton and. I think he will. He will relish again the opportunity to to score another one at Goodison. You know, it's 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 the perfect game to start to start your goal scoring run, run, isn't it? And you know, hopefully there's there's more than just one that he's, that he's got oh, for us. I hope he does it. I re- I really do. James, how are you feeling about the game? Ever- Everton have hardly been on fire <laughs> at the start of this season, have they? But you could say that about Liverpool as well. Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I think the big thing for me is I just hope Liverpool learn the lessons 
of what happened at Old Trafford the other week because I think there are parallels in terms of going to face a team where where you know the environment's going to be hostile and you just don't want to give them any encouragement. And that was the infuriating thing on the night at Old Trafford that Liverpool gave United you know, encouragement in absolute spades because they started the game so poorly against a team that were on the ropes really after, you know, the, the terrible start they'd had. And similarly, you look at Everton, you know, winless in five league games so far. Yes, I know they've brought a few new faces in before the deadline, but of course, you know, so limited Lampard in terms of time-wise, what he can do with them before before Saturday. So, you know, they are vulnerable Everton, but so were Manchester United and Liverpool. Liverpool failed to take advantage of that and they just need to ensure they don't miss out this time around and there's you know and like I said before you know as, as good as Wednesday night was and it, it was right up there because you know you just you just winning a game in that fashion means so much more than winning emphatically but I did like the fact that Klopp was very honest with his his assessment in terms of you know where where they fell short performance wise because they, they, they again Liverpool were far too open on the counter-attack and we know that Everton won't take many risks, and I just think that protection has to be a lot better because you know they, you know, um, you know Isak you know, was what was it? You know, could only have been a few inches. He was, you know, the the VAR shout second half. It would be a very different podcast today. So yeah, I'm sure the video analyst, analysts at Liverpool have been busy since since last night packaging up the various things and and pinpointing stuff that they have to to sharpen up at um, at if. If Liverpool are going to make it three wins on the bounce, and um, yeah, big big period in terms of trying to build up momentum, especially with you know the Champions League starting um, midweek next week. You know, Derby Day always always matters, doesn't it? But it's it's even more crucial when you know you're playing catch up like Liverpool are, and, and when you see Man City on the march like they are. So you know, only victory will do. Absolutely, and of course, if they hadn't won the game against Newcastle, they'd have been seven points behind. Man City nine behind Arsenal as it is the gap to City is five going to let the boys get back to any transfer business uh, hopefully if you are listening to us you'll appreciate that we're recording this on the afternoon of transfer deadline day so we presume the Arthur deal is going through um, we're hoping we might see him soon on the pitch as well my thanks of course to James and check out his pieces uh, online at the moment including on there there's a piece about uh, Arthur and also the FA investigating after Newcastle's staff member throws an object towards her at the Liverpool bench as well. Andy, brilliant to have you on as always. Hope you've enjoyed the Red Agenda, everyone. And we'll catch you after the Derby Day. <laughs>